It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. Lawn and Garden, I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener. And we're here at Saturday morning at 6.07, and we are here at the, at the studios of News Talk WSB. A lot of people say, well, what? How do you get, how often or how soon or how early do you have to get there to the studio on a Saturday morning? And the answer is, when the little light comes on. That's when I'm supposed to be here. The little red light in the studio comes on, and I am here and ready to go. I've been away for so long. Four we had Lucy. Went to Amsterdam one Saturday, went to Amsterdam the next Saturday, went to Pike, went to Hearthside. I've been away for four Saturdays, four weeks away. Unbelievable. Scott just barely knew who I was when I came in this morning. The the access card, this will tell you whether you've been there for a while. The access card to get into the WSB parking lot had been deactivated. Yeah, deactivated. So they had to buzz me through all the gates to get into the studio this morning, and we will somehow get my card activated once again. But it's great to be back. Great to see O'Neill and Gail and, and Ashley, of course, Scott, Shirley. Yeah, Charlie O'Brien. Yeah, we're all here. 404-872-0750 is the number you can call, call if you have any kind of question about your garden or your lawn or your landscape or your flowers or your bugs or your weeds. And, you know, honestly, don't be, don't hesitate to call because you think, oh, that man on the garden show, he knows everything about gardening. I don't know everything about gardening. Sometimes the questions you ask teach me more about gardening. So the next person down the line will get a better answer from me. 404-872-0750. What have I been doing in the garden this week? I've been well, watering some. After, before those two sort of big rain showers that we got, in my neck of the woods, there had been, what, two weeks or so of no rain at all, and it was dry. Oh, my gosh, it was dry. And I planted some annuals and perennials in a little tree, and I wanted to be sure they got watered. So I was out every couple of days making sure they got watered because it just had not rained for a while. Another thing I've been doing uh, sort of partially this week is cleaning up and starting some more seeds and looking at daffodils. If you need to move a clump of daffodils, do it now because you won't be able to find them <laughs> in a couple of weeks. You know how the, you know this, the, the leaves on daffodils, you need to leave them on the plant for as long as you possibly can because green leaves on daffodils are absorbing energy. And if they don't get enough time in the sun, then next year they, they don't have very good blooms on them. So I have one, I have a bunch, a bunch of little clumps, little clumps about six or eight that I got from somewhere and thought, oh, this would be nice right here. Oh, these would be nice right here. So all these daffodil clumps are scattered across my landscape. And I'm thinking, eh, we need to sort of consolidate this thing. So I dug up my, let's see, one, two, three clumps of daffodils. Each one had about, I don't know, 10, 15 maybe daffodil bulbs in it. And so I move those all to one place so I sort of see what's going on with the daffodils and don't have to look all around the garden to see them. But once they have been dug, you can keep them, I guess, in a box or something to plant them next October, or you can put them back in the ground. It doesn't matter either way to the bulb. It's pretty dormant. 
and won't uh, won't uh, not like being moved around. So I, <clears throat> for mine, I just took them, put them in a plastic, very uh, open, has a lot of holes in it, plastic box, and I'll plant them in the next two or three weeks probably when I get a minute to, to do things like that. But the daffodils can be found pretty easily right now because the leaves have turned yellow, a little bit of green left on the tips, and you can see them where they are in your landscape. I promise you, at the end of June, you look out there, you'll never, ever, ever know where those daffodils were growing, that clump of daffodils. But I have mine. I know where they are. I moved a few, put more in that plastic box, and we'll be ready to put them in the next couple of days. We go to the phones right now. Our friend Nicole is down in Griffin, Georgia, and she joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Nicole. Miss Arif. Miss Nicole, how are you? Fine, fine. It's Daylily Evan, isn't it? No, Daylily is going great. Great, 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 great. The Stella de Oro are blooming, the ones that bloom two or three times during the summertime, and one called Cherry Cheeks, I think I have, and there's a Decatur Ruffles that I have. Uh, yeah, nice, nice time for daylilies. And they are so, after they bloom, you divide them because they can be uh, uh, huge. I mean, they are so easy to divide, sure, too, isn't Sure, it? and they're in the same position in my landscape as the daffodils in that I have little clumps of red, little clump of yellow, little clump of something else over here. But daylilies, same thing. I need to move them and consolidate them into one or two beds and not be scattered all over the yard. Um, um, Ashley, she told you about this red, uh, red bright star? No, no, tell me. Well, <laughs> I was gardening this week. And I walk over something, it was red. I thought it was just a flower fell off, you know, petal yeah. of flower fell off. Then I look closer. And it's like a red star because at the end it's got like two fingers. And mm. it's like a jelly like. Yeah. And uh, it just scared me because I, I didn't want to touch <laughs> it, you know. Do you know what it is? Did, now, let me ask you this, Nicole. Did it smell at all? Do you have any smell from it? Oh, I don't know. Then smell. You should get close enough to find out. Do you know what it is? Maybe. There are, there's a class of plants or things in the world called stinkhorns. And one of the stinkhorns, at least, looks like a little red octopus, I guess is the best way to describe it, sticking up out of the ground. It has three or four legs that stick up, and they're very, very red. And typically they grow in places that have a pretty good layer of, of uh, mulch, wood mulch on it. So. Where was yours growing? Where was this this unknown red star growing? Well, it's in the shade, but there's a lot of uh, thickness of marsh. I've been adding mm -hmm. marsh and adding marsh, and I didn't only see one bunch of them. So what are they, a fungus? I think we're looking at stinkhorn. I sure do. Stinkhorn. And here's the way to find out. If you take a rake or a hoe or something and sort of loosen the mulch around them, if it is a stinkhorn, there'll be all these white sort of fungusy roots going through the mulch, and uh, they're digesting the mulch, basically, in order to have enough energy to put up a flower, which is the stinkhorn that you see, and it stays around for four or five days, and then it's gone away. But it usually its name tells a story. It stinks when you smell it. Okay, so I go, I go out and tried to smell. Do you have a few still left out there in the, in the mulch? Yes, I mean, I have a bunch of them. I yeah. was, I was just like, it's, once you touch it, it looks like uh, jelly-like, isn't uh -huh. it? Yeah, I think jelly-like is the way we'll go. Now, one of the things, if it is a stinkhorn, and you could observe this if you don't disturb it beforehand, is that they are pollinated by flies, and that's why they stink so much, is because they want to attract all the flies in the neighborhood saying, hey, there's something dead over here, come see me. 
And the pollen and spores and things, I guess it's spores, for the uh, sinkhorn is attached to sort of a gummy little mass at the tip of it. And the flies come in and get whatever they eat, I guess, off of the stinkhorn. And then they move someplace else and scatter the spores. And then you've got more stinkhorns in the environment. So if that's what you have, that's what's going on. Well, and explain why I saw all those flies. I thought it was the cat that went to the bathroom, you know. <laughs> 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 Good grief. Yeah, yeah. Good grief. We know what it is, you know. Stinkhorn. If you want to see some pictures, you go to my website, just type in stinkhorn, and you can see them. There are some that are sort of tall and cone-shaped, some that are octopus-shaped like you described. There are a couple more forms of them, but all, generally speaking, are called stinkhorns. And, well, you know the rest of the story. Yeah. It's just nature amazing. You know, me and you, we've been gardening before. Every day we learn something, isn't it? When you said, uh, I saw it just on my screener screen here, when it said bright red star, I thought for a minute you might be talking about the the, uh, amaryllis that has a real red flower on it that is a naturalized amaryllis bulb. It's perfectly hardy growing in Georgia called the amaryllis johnsoni. And I have a little clump of amaryllis johnsoni in the... uh, front yard and another clump, I guess, in the backyard, too. And it blooms. It doesn't get hurt by cold. Like, normally those gift amaryllis for the holiday season in December, they are not all that hardy in Georgia. But the Johnson's amaryllis is perfectly hardy. Big, bright red flowers on them. And it's just something that all the neighbors want to know. What is that growing over there that has such big, pretty red flowers? Yeah, bright red. I got some blooming right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bright, 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 bright red. And that's another one that you can uh, divide after the leaves sort of turn yellow on it. Then that'd be time to, to move it around and put it in new places if you need some more in, or divide it, too, if you need some more in your landscape. So what time do you think of the year things propagate underneath the ground? After they bloom, when they get the green and they absorb a lot of energy? Yeah, I guess so. Now, that's a great question because... You certainly have offsets on tulips and daffodils and things like that. The tulips rarely bloom. Daffodils seemingly always bloom. But when they actually put that little energy into the root to make a new baby, I'm not sure. I guess it depends on what the growing season, flowering season is for the plant, but I'm not sure. Maybe in wintertime because of more, more rain. Maybe, Ooh. maybe. Maybe in springtime because that's when the leaves are popping up and it has more sun energy. Maybe in the summertime because it doesn't have any leaves popping up and so it's not bothered by sunshine and it grows through the ground. That's a great question, Nicole. I don't know. Nothing like a gardener to appreciate the water, isn't it? You the will rain? always appreciate rain. You will always appreciate rain as a gardener. And same with me. Back when it was raining, uh, what was it, back in early April, I guess it was, and it just seemed to be raining all the time. And I thought, well, I'm not going to complain about this rain because if I complain, we're going to have a drought this summer. Yeah, keep praying. Yeah, exactly. Keep that rain going on. i got to go, though, Nicole. It's great talking to you. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your day and enjoy your weekend, too. 404-872-0750, the number on Lawn and Garden, to which you're listening on News Talk WSB. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. It is going to be fabulous today. A great day for gardening outside. If you want to dig, if you want to prune, if you want to mow, 
it's going to be very comfortable doing it. Highs today, well, actually lows today. Highs today, the low 80s, and overnight the lows in the low 60s. Pull your window open. I had my window open in my bedroom last night. It was just lovely to hear the birds this morning. Just a couple of them waking up a little early, cheeping around in my backyard. Atlanta's most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Jimmy in Hampton joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Jimmy, good morning. Good, good morning, uh, and welcome back, sir. Thank you, sir. I missed you. Um, just two quick questions. One on um, petunias. When you um, deadhand your petunias, yeah. do you just pull the, the dead blooms off, or do you go down below right at the stem and pinch the stem off, or does it matter? I am not sure that it matters, but if you want to ask me directly, what I do is I pull the flowers off and don't worry about the little pod behind it. Um, I'm not good enough at botany to know whether it would be better for me to go down to that little stem or not. I mean, Jimmy, you could do a little experiment right there if you've got some petunias that you want to deadhead one way by just pulling off the flower petals or another way by cutting off the stem down below the flower. You could uh, do the world a little bit of, of good by experimenting. Okay, I'll, I'll try that. Um just one other thing. This year, um, I put out a um, Better Boy Tomatoes, yeah. and I usually put out Rutgers or, or things like that. This is my first year planting the Better Boys, mm, and okay. I just put them out about six weeks ago because we had so much rain to start with. And I've noticed they've already got small green tomatoes on um, and they're getting like the size of a little grape tomatoes. Sure. Is that natural for the, the better boy tomatoes to to start producing fruit this early? Yes, another one which I don't know is particularly a condition of the plant's genetics or whether it's a condition of weather, environment, and things like that. I mean, either way, you don't care. you got tomatoes. <laughs> so right. It's a good thing. Um, so I really don't know if better boy or any of the other sort of improved plants have a an earlier fruit cycle than others do? I don't know. It's just part of observation in the garden. As Nicole said a minute ago, every day you learn something new in the garden, you observe something different, and you find out, if you can, why it works that way. And some days you can't figure it out. You just enjoy it. And for your case, enjoy the tomatoes. But why it's that early? I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's a good thing, better than having now. Uh no tomatoes at all. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. By the way, going back to the petunia, one of the things that you see sometimes on petunia labels, it'll say self-cleaning. And usually what that means is the leaves of the petunia, you know this because you felt, I'm sure, before, they're sort of sticky a little bit. And so right. they've genetically cut down on the amount of stickiness on the petunia leaves so that when flowers do naturally age and drop off, they don't stick around on the leaves and be stuck to it. It looks sort of ugly, but uh, they just fall cleanly. They're not caught by that stickiness on the leaves. So it's something interesting if you're looking for self-cleaning uh, uh, plants, petunias, and things like that, then it's usually because they're not as sticky to hold the flowers in place on the end of the, end of the little stem there. Jimmy, i got to go, but it's great talking to you. Next half hour, Bud Locust Grow wants to know about his pecan leaves. They look really weird right now. Paul in Conyers wants to know about removing a Leland cypress. And Ryan up in Marietta needs to know how to water a Leland cypress. All that coming up in the next half hour on Lawn and Garden. We'll be back right after news. Go out and find a girl. Come on, come on, if that's all night. Just like the heat, it'll be all right. 
It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 636 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden, and I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia gardener. Here to help you be more successful in your landscape and maybe bring a little happiness into the whole joint. If you're not happy when you're outside mowing the lawn, then you got too much lawn. I mean, basically, if you're not having fun smelling the grass, uh, then I don't know. Why do it? Let's go outside and plant some things that will be prettier than lawn grass sometimes. Let's make something happen in the landscape. Our number this morning, 404-872-0750. Bud's out in Locust Grove and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, bud. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. What you got? Hey, I got something I've, excuse me, I've never seen before. Um, I've got a, in my yard, I got a half a dozen pecan trees along with a, a bunch of other trees. It, yeah. It's not a pecan grove. But I saw on, on one tree back in the corner there, there were a bunch of things on there. I mean, the tree's just covered with these things. They're about the, the size of a grape, but they look just like a, like a new green tomato. And they're all over that one tree, and then there's a little bit on another tree that's um, kind of the next one down the line. And uh, yesterday evening, I cut one, a couple of them open with my pocket knife, and they're inside. They look like a little tiny geo. Yeah, yeah. But when I looked at it closely and waited a while, the, it's the, the inside started moving. And they're little gnat-looking things with wings. Nice. Yeah, okay. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, your description's really nice, but you did a good job. What's going on is this has been just a fabulous year for gall-making insects. Right. And what you have on the pecan is one of the, not zillions, but at least a couple hundred thousand of different insects that in this case, infects pecan. They infect um, oak trees because I've gotten pictures of sour gall and uh, apple gall on oak trees, spindle gall on maples, a little mm-hmm. cone-shaped thing on witch hazel, and now mm-hmm. pecan phylloxera, which is what you have. Uh-huh. Let me let me say that word one more time so you'll know who to uh, how to pronounce it for people that ask about it. It's called phylloxera, okay. and what happens is this uh, female aphid hatches out pretty early in the spring just as the leaves are appearing on the pecan tree and Uh she wounds the tissue of the leaf and inserts her eggs there and there's a reaction from the tissue saying okay let's grow up over this whatever this egg thing that's now on the leaf and it makes this gall for lack of a better word a gall little baby aphids are inside there and that's what you saw when you opened it up with a knife what do i do about it nothing (laughs) See, that's the great answer. Nothing. You can't do anything about it. The gall insects are already in the leaf, and next year if we have a different set of environmental conditions in the wintertime, you may not see Phylloxera 1 anywhere. So it Uh all depends on how the weather goes. And, Uh you know, at this point, the little gall insects are inside the apple or the the marble-like thing you see on the leaf. And so there's not much you can do. It won't hurt the tree. That's the great thing about gall-making insects is they are there to, you know, use the tree leaf to their own devices. But they also know that if they kill the pecan tree, then they don't have any place to lay their eggs. So the damage they do is minimal other than curiosity and you know people like you and me talking about it uh-huh well that's a that's a real relief because yeah. i told my wife i said i'm I'm not believing this i said i don't <laughs> want those trees to die <laughs> <laughs> they're weird looking there's no doubt about that yeah, not yeah. a problem at all okay great all right 
Good to have you back, too. But it's Love great to, to be back. You. Thank you so much. Okay. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take Bud's place. And why this is a particularly good year for golf, I just don't have a clue. But they're everywhere. Let me mention another one, a couple more, or a couple that I mentioned just now. Sower gall on oak trees looks like a marshmallow. And you can see it. Yeah, you'll see it. It's like a little fuzzy marshmallow. And if you take it and pick it apart, you'll see that it has little for lack of a better word, seeds inside this fuzzy ball about the size of a golf ball. And that is formed by one of the gall-making insects called sore gall. Apple gall looks like a little green apple about inch, inch and a half maybe in diameter that grows right at the base of leaves on an oak tree. Spindle galls on maples, it's about a half an inch high, usually sort of pinkish red on the leaves of the tree. And then the phylloxera gall on pecans, but there are lots and lots more of these gall-making insects that make make life interesting. It's fun to see them. Fun to see what happens to them on the plant, but they don't really hurt the plant at all. Paul's out in Conyers, and Paul joins us on Lawn and Garden. Paul, hey, good morning. How you doing, sir? I'm all right. What's going on? Uh, I've got some Leland Cypress I planted about 10 years ago, and I put them in a uh, privacy blind type situation. Okay. And uh, they started dying from the bottom upward. Uh, it does have some canopy that has developed over the years with oak trees yeah. so i was thinking it was due to the uh lack of sunlight but uh after reading some it looks like leelands are real susceptible to some different types of fungus yeah. and all Canker, cankers is the main right, type of fungus that gets on leland cypress yeah so uh a lot of them are already dead uh, hmm. and i was going to take them down today yeah sure and I guess my question is, how do I need to dispose of these if if it is, in fact, canker? It's like they're everywhere. The canker spores are just everywhere in the environment. And you, by, let's say, burning your Leland Cypress, won't really reduce the number of canker spores in the environment at all. So whatever suits your your uh, fancy this afternoon, whatever floats your boat to cut them down with a chainsaw and stack them up by the street or... Uh, well, I've actually got a place that I can put them, uh, cut them up, and yeah. put them, and let them actually compost back to the dirt. As far as I know, you're fine to do that. It's not going to make more likely the other Leland's in the neighborhood get catch one of the canker diseases. Okay, that that was my concern. Yeah. I didn't want to spread the. Uh, the fungus. Yeah, that's not that's not always the case. There are some diseases and some insects too that get on various landscape plants where it is you better put that in a bag and put it away and don't let it get out again. Rose rosette disease, which makes a sort of a broomy look to the end of a rose branch, uh, it, you need to get rid of that. Get it out of the neighborhood because it spreads so easily from rose to rose to rose. Okay. But not this one. Not this one. You're fine. Right. How about uh, some kind of plant that our replacement for these. Uh, I need something that's going to grow fairly rapid. How tall uh, do you need it? Uh, probably about 15 foot. It can be taller, but 15 mm. foot. Uh, not a real wide base, maybe 10. Green 10 giant ar- arborvitae comes to mind. Green giant grows fast. It gets about eh, 20 feet maybe tall. You could always cut off the top if you need to. So green giant Arborvitae is two or three hollies, maybe depends on how much room you have, but savannah holly is great. Um, two or three more, I mean, you can look on my website, you can see all the lists of hollies. I've got a, a 
landscape plant list that describes all the plants that you're normally going to find in landscapes in Georgia. And so if you go to WalterReach.com and just type in plant list, it'll take you to the place where you can see all these solutions for screening problems, screening in the shade problems, wet spot problems, things like that. Give a couple of three plants that might do well for that. So that's what I would say do. Now, being that it is a, uh, unfortunately, these trees are planted east to west, Mm -hmm. so they shade each other to a point. Uh, so I'm going to need something that does work in partial shade, I guess. Yeah, I think they would do. I think the arborvitae, the green giant, would do fine. Hollies can take a little bit of shade. Not dense shade, but hollies can take a little bit of shade from the neighbor down the way. And you can also offset them a little bit from each other. If you have enough right, room, kind of offset back. One in front, one in back. Yeah, that would work, too. And... Uh, are they as prone to diseases as others? Not really. I, I think of arborvitae as a little less prone to disease, a little more prone to insects than <laughs> the Leland cypress. You get sort of get what you buy, what you what yeah, you're looking yeah. for there. Either way, insects or disease. So generally, you're not going to have too many bagworms on the arborvitae. You're not going to have too many spider warts, spider mites on there. But uh, I would say that arborvitae would be a great selection for for. A different plant instead of the Leland's. Okay. All right. Paul, it's um, great talking to you, man. I got to get out of here. Got more people all blinking right thank here on my you, screen. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it, sir. Tell them hey in Conyers for me. I will do it, sir. We'll see you soon. Paul comes away and Randy takes his place. Randy's in Dallas, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Randy. Good morning. Hey, how you doing, Walter? I'm doing great. What you got? Hey, I, uh, I was moving around a bunch of lamb's ears that went crazy on my front walk, and uh, they're covered in thousands of little aphids get out of here i've never seen that before i've seen them this year on plants that i never thought aphids would even touch on my hellebores my linton rose covered up in aphids what's going on with lamb's ear come on yeah i, I don't know it's my my wife's out there trying to move all these things around and mm-hmm. they're aphids just thousands of yeah, them yeah. all over you know and, and what she's wanting to know is uh with lambs here can she spray them with something to get rid of you know the truth of the matter is there are so many beneficial predatory insects in the environment that if you spray an insecticide i would be afraid that you're sort of hurting your friends and aphids won't be completely controlled by beneficial insects but they'll get 40 to 50 percent of them and the other 40 to 50 percent that you want to get out get rid of Honestly, just squirt them with a water hose. Good high-pressure water hose, a super soaker toy, anything that gives you a real directed, aimable stream of water, and you can wash a lot of aphids off of uh, plants that have aphids on it, roses, hellebores like I did. Oh, and on the hellebores, too. Well, I'm gonna, she loves her hellebores. I'm going to tell her to take a look at that. <laughs> go, out, go out yeah, and see. Yeah. Little green like things. It. Lots and lots, hundreds and hundreds of little green things on the leaves. But again, because I don't want you to hurt the predatory beneficial insects, I think a water hose, water squirter is about the best you can do. I would not really recommend doing the insecticide route because I think it's easier to let your buddies in the landscape do their job. Hey, I appreciate that. We like to stay away from those deadly yeah. chemicals and all, so I'm going to blast them with the water hose. Some dihydrogen oxide. That's what you need. Dihydrogen hey, that's oxide. That's the same thing as water. You know that, right? <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Walter. You bet. 6.46 on a Saturday morning. we got another Leland Cypress question. Ashley, yes? We had a good question from Ryan who called and couldn't hang on, but yeah. he planted new Lelands, which a lot of people may make this mistake. He didn't water them enough mm. initially. But this was a great question, maybe just for any tree. At what point between the yellow to brown phase do you know it's just time to pull them out and they're not coming back boy when the whole plant 
is yellow. Most of it is yellow. It's sort of on that slippery slope with talcum powder. <laughs> it sort of slides down pretty quickly. So on a Leland, if I were looking at it, maybe one that you planted is six or seven feet tall, and deep green is normal, lighter, lighter green to sort of a yellowish green color, that says you might be able to save it when it's pretty yellow and little tips of the branches turning brown, it's gone. Bye-bye. See you later, alligator. Thanks. So bottom line, look at the color. You can see some patterns in how the color looks and what the color uh, is, really, and that'll tell you what you need to do as far as watering or ripping it out and maybe take the guarantee. You know, if you buy them at Pike, Pike's got a, a, a lifetime guarantee on plants, so that's one good reason to patronize Pike's because they'll go back and uh, replace what you have. And when you go on vacation, you have someone watching your house yeah. and picking up your mail, but you need someone to water your plants, water too. Water your plants, exactly right. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden at 647 and one half. And we'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the Lawn and Garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Boy, if you got weeds outside, this will be a nice day to pull them out of the ground. The ground is a little bit damp from the rains that we had earlier in the week, and you can see them real easily because the weeds stick up above everything else. It's not going to be very hot. Highs today in the low 80s overnight in the yeah, mid to high 60s. Your full weekend forecast from Brad Nitz comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Coming up on May the 30th, a great event. Ashley Frasca's sort of team has done a great planning for this big motorcycle ride. Last year we had the first annual Captain Herb Emery Memorial Ride and we just didn't realize that it was going to become what it has and so this is going to be the second annual Memorial Ride and it's a great event. It's almost vying for competition with his December Toys for Tots right. event. It's in right. the same vein. It's going to be at Fred's Barbecue House in Lithia Springs and Harley Davidson of Atlanta's right next door. And it's a great time to, to hopefully, you know, the weather will be nice, bring the motorcycle out and take a ride. <laughs> so you're going to get, you know, 900 people lined up on the highway like the Hells Angels do and run back and forth? Yep. And for everybody in that Douglasville, Lithia Springs area, the, the route's pretty big that the ride goes through and we're escorted by the, the sheriff's deputies yeah. and all. And people in that area are probably wondering, I've never seen so many motorcycles in my life. And hopefully no gangs will appear and cause trouble for anybody. This is Georgia. We're nice people down here. Motorcycle riders, fabulous folks, and particularly on May the 30th to help raise money and uh, cash for the, the Marines Toys for Tots thing. It's terrific. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you. And folks can get more information by going to wsbradio.com and clicking on the traffic page that has information about an arts and crafts show and registration to ride the bike great sounds good thanks ash 404-872-0750 is the number ed is out in lilburn i think we've got time to take ed hey ed good morning good morning what can i do for you uh we have a crepe myrtle and from the very beginning it uh, would bloom to color get out of here absolutely all right uh the landscaper decided when he trimmed the top to cut off three of the five trunks at the ground. Yeah. Need to hurry it up because I only have about a minute to go here, Ed. Go what's, ahead. What's the likelihood of it coming back uh, to color or what's the likelihood of being able to go out and replace it and to have a two color gray myrtle? 
for the latter event, probably not ever. You're not going to be able to find at a nursery a two-color crepe myrtle. Because what I'm thinking probably happened with the second color, if you're absolutely positive it's coming from the same plant, not two of them that are planted together in the pot. But if it coming from the same plant with two different colors on a, on a crepe myrtle, I would think it's a reversion. In other words, crepe myrtles, when they're bred, they have several different parents that are pollinated. They take the seeds, they put them in the ground, and up comes a plant that uh, probably rec uh, resembles one of its parents. But sometimes you get both parents of the, uh, the crepe myrtle involved. And so you get a red limb here and a white limb there, a pink limb here and a red limb there because of reverting back to what it naturally was before the seeds were, uh, were made and pollinated in it. So that's my guess. But trying to find one at a nursery, now you'll never be able to do that. And the likelihood of this coming back is pretty good. I mean, crepe myrtles, as you know, Ed, they just sprout back. Whatever you do to them, they sprout back after being trimmed in the wintertime. So I think you should wait and see. It may take a year before it's ready to bloom. It may take two. But I would still leave it alone and see what happens. If you like the two colors, let's wait and see what happens. It's 658 at News Talk WSB. This is Lawn and Garden. We'll be back right after news. Maybe